Let's run it. It's FT Live, but it's also Scotty Braun and AJ Przinsky with your full-on hurricane coverage coming up over the next few days. <laughs> AJ will be reporting live from whatever city needs him in the Florida area. I am uh, the new Jim Cantori. <laughs> Which so city are you going to, Jim? I am here. Well, he's at Cedar Key. I'm thinking about maybe that's a good spot. As long as it just jogs a little bit east of where we are, which it stays staying pretty safe right now, looking from mm-hmm. the television and all the forecast models from the Hurricane Center, Scott, you're going to get to experience your first hurricane here That's in not true. Oh, in, in Orlando. Orlando, yes. I've been in South Florida for some action, but um, I'm excited for that. Anyway, Kratzy, good to see you from long distance again um, after a little hangout in Philadelphia. That was a fun little last-minute trip. Yeah, we had four four days together, three days together. It was nice. Oh yeah, I forgot. Why? I was in AC with him, and then also in Pennsylvania. Kip, how you doing, man? Are you uh, watching your back now after Acuna shit yesterday? You want to get into it? If you want to jump right into it, let's get into it. I I would love to hear your thoughts first. So let's do our baseballer viral hit of the week, and as Kip's talking us through it, we can show you. What happened? Our friends at Baseball are obviously posting this right after it happens. And we're getting we're going to give you multiple angles. First off, this is kind of the field view of one fan coming at Ronald. And after there's two or three security guards just kind of hugging the one fan, another one comes and essentially semi-decks him, Kip. And then there was still action with another fan who kind of jumped back into the seats. So to me, it almost, not almost, it seemed pre-coordinated too to have multiple people here involved. So did they did they the come thing. in from did they come in from different sides or did they enter the field from the same spot? I think did different have... spots. Do we know if they came from I think it was different I spots. I think they came from different angles and we'll show you different angles too, but this is the perfect show for like what you would do, how MLB security works, how the fuck this wow. happens. The second guy comes in hot where I think Acuña puts out a little stiff arm once you see him coming from the bottom of the screen here. Normally, you only see this like in soccer games. Yeah, right there, with like Messi or Ronaldo, the guys that come onto the field to take pictures with them. Uh, I think Acuna said, or the teammate said, like the first guy didn't really impose a threat, so that's why it took longer. It, it's kind of irrelevant to me at that point. Get off the field. You're not supposed to be there. I don't like. I don't like it. Um, it's there. It's look at him. It does. It doesn't look like a sane person. It's just for a picture. If you want, if you're doing that much energy and that much attached to a guy just to get a picture with someone. There's something a little wrong with you in my mind. That dude looks like a rabid dog. The yeah. one that's being picked up and flailing. I mean, to me, that adds. Crazy. It's not okay. No, it's not okay. That's like to me. That's got to add to the criminal charges. That dude was not compliant by any means. He was not a peaceful protester. I don't know what the criminal charges are going to be, but it is going to be fine. Jail time. They're never going to go to another big league game. It is. That's an easy one. But, you know, now all the memes are going to come out. That dude in the white shirt that came out second, you know, it's going to be like Mookie Betts' face on it as he's running, running down. And then you see Acuna who got, who got deked by the whole, the whole uh, security guard was on the ground, and he was just crawling behind him. The middle school, like, crawl behind somebody, and then someone pushes him over. That's what happened to Acuna <laughs> table, there. T- tabletop. Table t- there's a name for it? Yeah. The tabletop. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a small, it's a smaller guy's moves when we can't get you down to the ground <laughs> on our own. We need teamwork. 
It's bad news. It's bad news. Because <laughs> AJ, you, AJ's got something. AJ's well, why got is there something. no? Why? First of all, the security guards took forever to get there. I give Acuna a yeah. ton of credit because if some dude comes up to me and I'm on the field and, and they start hugging me, I'm like, bro, get the fuck off me. Aren't you like? I'm like not letting the first guy get to me. I'm what like, do you dude, do? What are you doing? But, you but, but he's coming in hot. I don't care. I'm I'm like stop. Like I'm like, are you them. stop like a with a shove them. forward? I'm getting the fuck. I'm not letting him do take a picture of me on the field with me. Like your is way too nice. And then second of all, where were his teammates? Like Juan Yepes, who was the bullpen catcher, was the Jose. first guy out there. Jose Yepes. Jose Yepes. Geez, sorry. Excuse me. I play. I know Yepes too. Uh, yeah, he was the first one that was out there. And, and we're, Pilar, I guess, was the – and then Albies, I think, came out. But why aren't they sprinting out but there like, and decking yeah. him? That's your And then the second guy possession. comes, and, and they tackle Acuna? If I'm the Braves, I am not okay with this. I mean, these people need to go to jail for a long like, – you can't run on the field. If I, I've never in my life have I ever gone to a sporting event and said – actually, I can't say that because I did it once, but I got away with it. What? But <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but I was probably not sober. I was at Scott's rave party. Um, I didn't see you. But, we need to uh, hear about this. Uh, I just don't understand why people jump on the field, especially fans. Attention usually, but this see this smelled different, Kip, because of the aggressive approach. Like you'll see someone run with their shirt off, laughing, whatever. Sometimes even like kind of collapse or try to run away. Like these guys were were flailing and not cooperative once the security guards got a hold of them. You could be drunk. You could scream whatever you want at us. Uh, once you come onto the field, you're blurring the lines. You're crossing the proverbial line uh, where it's just not all right. And I think Acuna was calm. So I think that's why teammates weren't over there right away because they're like, oh, he's not in jeopardy. But it also doesn't happen much. So they're probably like, what the hell's going on themselves? Uh, and kind of just monitoring and watching the situation. But Acuna is in every right of his own to literally throw a haymaker to any one of those guys if he wanted to. No, there's there's one two things that I have to say about the whole situation in spring training. They tell us, do not engage these people. Yeah, do not try do not. to run over there. Do not try to save your teammates. That I don't know if I agree with or not because they're like they might be holding a knife, whatever it is. But if you sit there and you think somebody's coming at you, you have every right to just yeah defend yourself. Them. And the boys, the boys down in Hotlanta, the guys that are the the security guards, those linebackers. Dudes, yes, they're all ex football <laughs> players. They wear their cleats. Colorado dudes were just rolling out there. Hey, we'll get out there whenever we get out there. Atlanta, this ain't happening, especially to an Atlanta player. But it's definitely not happening to anybody because those dudes talk about it. They live for it. There's guys sitting in the bullpen, like, please. There was one guy that was always down the left field line in the old stadium. He would be like, please, let yeah. somebody come out. <laughs> let somebody come out. He'd, he'd pull his cleats up and show his cleats. He's like, I'm going to get them. They lived to hit somebody. You got to have one athlete on each side of the field for security. Right. It, it, security, I mean, they totally missed the boat here. Yeah, it was just They were too slow. Long. They were kind of standing, stalling. Also, I'm like, where are the cuffs? I mean, remember Max Muncy was on with us <laughs> earlier this year. Innocent dude who was stupid because he went on the field, but proposing down on one knee gets destroyed and I think cuffed right away. There's no cuffs here. It was very strange. And to me, this is one of those moments where I think the league needs to say, we need to redo this for a second. 
We need to reset and look at our protocols. Everyone should have the same protocol at every ballpark. It should not be different. It's players. It's the field. Yes, every ballpark's made uniquely and states are different, but it should be the same concept. There should be plenty of people that are ready to go and deck people and floor them and cuff them. My two my two favorite ones I've ever well, – I've seen three good ones of this other than just idiots running on the field. My, my three favorite ones that I've ever seen were one we were in Tampa and a dude – ran on top of our dugout and ripped his pants off and it was his tidy whities and ran around the field. Front flipped over Ron Washington and I, and then they got him at second base and they, they drug him through. They, they took care of him pretty good. Yeah. He got what he deserved. There was a guy in New York one time we were playing the Yankees and the dude jumped off the top and landed on the net behind home plate. We had to stop the game because he was on the net. He was caught in the net. He was on the net because they used to have a net over the fans behind home plate for balls. So yeah. he jumped. He bet his friends, and he jumped onto the boom onto the net. And they had to we had to stop the game. And he didn't know where to go. He knew he couldn't come to the field because he couldn't get down. So he went up the press box, and it was like four NYPD dudes like grabbing him. They beat the crap out of him as, as they're dragging him up. There's video of it if you Google it. And then the third one was there in Kansas City. And in Kansas City, they have that hard ass rubber around for the warning track. They used to. I think it's dirt now. But they used to have this hard ass like rubber. Dude jumped down, landed, broke his leg. Couldn't run. He's laying on the ground, ah, screaming. <laughs> Stop the game. Bring an ambulance out. Put his oh ass on gosh. the stretcher. Drive him <laughs> off. Like those dudes, they got what they deserve. Uh, yeah, I'm, and and I, I guess, go ahead, Kip. I said I got only one favorite one, and it was in the 2016 playoffs in Toronto. Just like your your hockey city, ninth inning. Uh, we're about to eliminate them, I think, to go to the World Series, and this guy comes out jeans around his knees and I you couldn't hear anybody it, it's like he absolutely did what he accomplished he, he wanted to like rev up the crowd and they were going insane for him like his everything was out everything was showing and this guy was just having a blast and it was the loudest I think I've ever heard uh, a stadium and you're literally like on defense you're like oh shit did he just do this like did he actually just rally the the Blue Jays right now and um, got tackled and it was just hilarious because you're watching the guards try to contain this guy with his pants down and trying to pull him up while he's kicking and screaming. And it was just kind of fun to watch. That's my favorite. That's good. I mean, I'm wondering, Kratz, what the security protocol is with the players. So you said they tell you, you know, don't get involved. Although I would counter, like you said, with, okay, well, what if the security setup sucks? I'm going to go get my teammate. My, my star, right? I mean, he's one of the best players in the sport, and there's multiple people attacking him. I mean, somebody should be the enforcer. Kevin Pillar's pretty fast. He could probably deck some dudes. He played football. Yep, he's like just staring. It's a bad, it's, it's a bad situation. Also, just the fact that they were hugging him, and they didn't immediately give him, like, elbow to the face, put him on the ground. Why are they hugging him? Well, why are you protecting him? You worried that he's going to, like, sue you afterwards? The field. There's a, is that a third guy that was on the field? Too yeah, I love that. I love that he's yeah. back in the stands. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm out. <laughs> but, Kratz, like, what it, and for all you guys to kick around, what, what do they say to you? So, what do you know about, you know, MLB security and how it's set up? It's different in every stadium. Like I said, like, the guys, I, I don't remember the people in Colorado, so I don't know if that's good or bad, but I remember specifically the people in Atlanta. And they – there was one time somebody jumped on the field when they used to do the, like, hammer and bucket and paintbrush race before they did the freeze. 
And a dude jumped on the field, and the guy down the left field line was so pissed he didn't get over there. He's like, like, that's terrible. He's like, the rest of the game, he was just sitting on the bench. He was stewing. He was just like, man. He's like, that was my chance. I would totally got that guy. But I I don't know. They don't don't tell us. The biggest thing is they say, let the security – that the security take care of it. But if you watch it next time you go to a game, just take a look at the people at security. It's usually right at the gate that you can get out onto the field, down the left field line, down the right field line, maybe one by the dugout on each side, but it's not the most, I mean, it's not people that are given, given a good hit. Like the big fellow who came out there, I'm glad he didn't hit the guy right away because he was, he was clinched on the Acuna and he would have had to take Acuna and the other guy out. So, I mean, I think it was kind of – the guy was kind of using Acuna as like a like a body shield. But I don't know. that I don't, I don't know what the – as players, we should know what the regulations are, except they just tell us to stay away. Listen, there's someone that's done this before. Done what? Got away with it. Oh, so, tell him. us about yeah. it. Yeah, don't, what do you got? I mean, what is this? Do All right, so – Yeah. You're so Florida, fast. Georgia – Florida, Georgia is a time, okay, football game. 2000, I believe it was 2009 or 10. You had a visor on? Probably. <laughs> probably. Don't, the only time my wife ever went to a game, she ain't been back since. Save some um, girls for the rest of us. We, yeah, we were, we were, uh, <laughs> we probably were drinking, and he started at like seven in the morning, and the game's at 3 30. And I was with Toby Hall and my wife and his wife. And the game goes to overtime. And I think it was 2010. And I said, I go, and I know all the Gator people. And we're on the we're in the, we're in the first row behind the Gator bench. And I said, I looked at Toby and I go, if Florida wins, I'm go, I'm rushing the field. And he's like, you won't, you know, you won't. I'm like, yeah, well. He's like, you'll get in trouble. I'm like, dude, I know all the Florida people. They'll let me go. Interception. Georgia gets the ball in overtime first. Florida intercepts it and they run it all the way back, right? And everyone thinks the game's over. Jump. So I'm like, here I go. Jump over the wall. Boom. And I run. And then like, oh, tackle to the one-yard line. So I'm now like between the bench and the field. And I'm like, shit. What do I do? <laughs> and I turn around. And I'm like, I'm just going to jump back in the fence. I turn around. Dude, the fence is like 10 or 12 foot high. And I'm like, oh, hell. Luckily, there was a table there. So I jumped on the table and Toby grabbed me and pulled me back into my oh, seat. Oh shit! And nobody saw nobody you. Nobody said a word. Wow, man, you're quicker than I thought. I was like, "You're stolen base my, my, again." Wife, my, wife said, my wife goes, "I'll never go to that game with you again." I'm like, "It was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right." I love you, dear. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's my one time. I How many heard. career stolen bases? Thirteen. Fifteen. Damn. Was, Fifteen. You're faster years. than you think. That's right. Should have let me go more, Ozzy. Yep. Damn. Hey. All right. Good for you. You got away with it. Baseballer.com. BSBLR is the spot. Check out some merch and also props to them for putting that post up right away. And obviously seeing all the fan reaction to it, who were mostly thinking the same things that we were thinking, like what the fuck's going on? We're going to charge the mound powered by Teza. Go ahead. Show it. Kratzy. Boom. Hold on. Wait for it. Coming back to Kratz. Oh, Yeah. Dude's got flavors. Dude's got variety. <laughs> Beautiful. Our favorite model. Um, and yes, that's healthy dip. That's not dip that has nicotine, tobacco, the whole deal. Anyway, uh, you want a healthy winning streak? The Milwaukee Brewers now make it nine in a row. 
They've got their big series this week against the Cubbies. 6-2 dub. They go up early. The pitching shines. Now they lead by five games in the division. Yelich with a home run and the third pitch of the entire night. They didn't need to use Devin Williams. The Cubs really didn't get much going against Milwaukee consistently in this game. So this team's in pretty good shape to take a division title at this point. Kratz, you should actually start off because you're the host of the famous Brew Crew Territory show. This is just the exact opposite team that was hitting or not hitting before this nine-game streak. Five-plus runs a game for nine straight. And really, it boils down to they're not striking out as much. They were striking out at historic clip for the Brewers. Fortunately, the Twins and the Giants are in the league right now, so they weren't leading the league. But they're all the way down, I think, to like 18th in the league now in strikeouts. And it is continuing to go down, and they just – they they're starting to get on base. They walked the other night. I think they walked like seven or eight times. It is – it is a complete 180 turnaround from the walks and K's. And they're like, wow. And now we're driving runs in too. It, it's something that to me, the other thing with the two additions of Canna and Santana in the lineup, it gives them some stability. AJ talks about it all the time. Oh yeah. You know, stability in the lineup. They, you know, they had the same, the Braves as the same lineup all the time. The Brewers were the exact opposite of the Braves. They were batting Yelly third. They were batting him first. They were, you know, they were hitting whatever hot rookie came up fourth. Sal Freelich was hitting fourth. Guys were getting hurt. And now they've kind of settled in. And they got our guest later today, Rowdy Telez, hitting ninth. And they don't have to, like, jam him into the fourth spot to be like, hey, we need the offense. Guys are just rolling together right now. You want to talk about getting hot at the right time, too. Um because the Cubs, Cubs have been playing well, and uh, the Cubs have been trying to, to creep back in there. But the Brewers have just gotten hot at the right time uh, and have not let them back into this division right now. And these are important games that would be a lot more important if uh, they had stumbled at all. But they are clicking at the right times, and it's exactly what you want to be doing. Yeah, Cubs are 7-3 and three in the last 10 and haven't, haven't gained any games. No. They lost I mean- one. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, they lost when Milwaukee's won 9 of 10. And obviously, I mean, really, that was a loss right before the 9 in a row is what we're looking at the standings right now if you're listening to the pod. With Milwaukee still in third place among the division leaders, they're not going to catch the Dodgers or the Braves at this point with you know only about a month of baseball left to go. But this team's a threat. The National League, in my mind, AJ, is not just Atlanta or L.A. Like Milwaukee and Philadelphia, at least. In the playoffs, yeah. oh, are going to give them problems you know, potentially. Well, first of all, Atlanta and Dodgers get a buy, which is going to help them. Yeah, for a lot of reasons, because the other whoever it is, whether it's Philly, Atlanta, even Arizona, in, in the Cubs with their starters with Steele, you don't want to face Steele, right? He's been pretty good yeah. for them, but you don't want to face Gallon and Kelly if you're facing Arizona in a five-game series. You can get Gallon twice, but they're going to play the wild card game, so Gallon probably won't be able to start game one. You only see them once, right? That's a huge thing. Now you play the Phillies, you might only get Nola or Wheeler once, mm-hmm. right? Brewers, you only get Burns once probably if they make it, right? The other thing is the Brewers aren't afraid of the Dodgers and they're not afraid of the Braves. And the Phillies damn sure ain't afraid of either one. So, no, the, originally we were like, oh, it's Braves, Dodgers, and everyone else. 
these other teams, because of what they've done and how much confidence they have going, it's going to be a much more enjoyable National League playoffs for me this year to watch. You know who I don't want to face? Woodruff, Burns, Peralta. Miley. Miley. Wait, and then Piamps, Piamps, and Devin Williams. Uh, Devin Williams. Rebe guy. You guys seen that? Pagero. A Rebe. You seen that guy they have? No. Yep. Abner. Abner or Rebe. No, Rebe. He almost, killed, he almost killed Tatis the other day. Oh, <laughs> he undressed him. Oh, my gosh. 102 at his neck. They find bullpen guys, though. That team does it really well. And then just a minute here on Seattle, they do it really well, too. Their bullpen is awesome. We're going to talk to Ken Rosenthal later. He wrote about bullpen for the Mariners, even post-Seawald trade. They've been great, and he documents like where they found a lot of these dudes. First off, they have ripped the Padres off on trades. Matt Brash, look back at that deal, and then look at the big-ass deal they did, the one hater. that involved Nola. Well, the hater deal for the Padres, you're saying, oh, with Milwaukee. I'm saying with Seattle. Oh, oh, oh. Seattle, dude, they picked up Andres Munoz, who, who stuff-wise is one of the best relievers in baseball. It was all in that one big-ass trade with with Seattle and San Diego. Remember, it was like a seven-player deal. Oof, look back at that trade. Super lopsided. So, hey, you need to do that. I mean, you got to win trades. And you got to build a bullpen because we'll do L West here for a quick sec. Like, and you saw Texas. Texas pulled off a double get to that. But, I mean, their bullpen still has been suffering even despite what they, they added need, to it. They need some help. They need, well, it's, it's too, too late, late in the season. I know. You can't they, get help anymore. They, they yeah. But they, dude, what are the numbers they've – Saved 25 and blown 25 saves. Is that what it is? Something crazy. Until it's, last night, they were below, I thought it was 24 saves and 25 blown saves. Yeah, it's, it's right at 50-50. I love when AJ goes and has a team, and I love that you have them back-to-back because you just get so much information. It makes our betting so much easier. I love it. <laughs> too much. Information overload. I'm well, sure you on, have it, yeah. I mean, it's not helping my betting. No. On the, hey, he faded my ass yesterday. <laughs> he faded me yesterday. So on that note, let's actually use the discount code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for 20% off your first order at TizaEnergy.com. Can we jump right into the weeds on tribute videos from our player fam here? So, oh, okay. Uh, well, can I go over Scherzer? What happened there? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> no. I'm talking good. to someone that's not on. Uh, <laughs> Scott, stop talking to yourself. Uh, Max Scherzer was back in City Field for the first time since the trade to the Texas Rangers and answered a bunch of questions for the media, did a nice job there. They gave him a tribute video, and the reaction was boo. <laughs> which I'm not surprised. I mean, he wasn't all, there for a, a long tribute time. Video? He was there what, a year? A year? Was a it year and a half. Year, year yeah. and a half, right? It was, it was last year. He signed yeah. last year, right? Right. So then, the answer is, no, I don't think he should get he a tribute video. A tribute and I, video. I think he would have said the same thing. No nope. offense to Max Scherzer. He's going to the Hall of Fame. But it's not like he won a World Series or helped them do anything. Okay, Kip, you played for the Cubs for a hot minute, didn't you? Yeah. If, if you went back there um, right after would, and you had a tribute video, would you be like, uh, no? Well, it was also the COVID year, so it was like 60 games and nobody right, was in the right. Team, so I had no, no connection to fans or anything of that matter. But um, here it is. I don't know. I, I would have made it really short. I don't like anything over. Yeah, that should have been the whole video that they just showed right there. Um, 
for this reason as well that the reception might not have been <laughs> maybe a little predictable being in, in New York. The reception yeah. was going to be a little predictable. And Mets fans were understandably a little bit um, pissed. Sure. You know, about that's, what's worked out there. Yeah, it's, Kratz, it's too Kratz, short. Everywhere Kratz went, they would have to do one in 14 different places. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Kratz, that'd, be, I mean. that'd be terrible. And they, and they wouldn't even have – it wouldn't be a long video, so it would just be like me doing one thing. Hey, there's your hit. Hey, thanks for – I got <laughs> any raise? I got one in Cleveland, too, going back, and it was just, again, to an empty stadium with nobody there. Brutal, brutal. <laughs> All right, well, we got a big party here for our guy. Our insider, Ken Rosenthal, joins us right now. Ken, great to see you. You got a, a big, uh, rowdy party here. Actually, Rowdy Tillage joining us later. But um, who's your NL MVP? Well, the good news is we don't have to pick today. But the way I see it right now, there are two guys in the running. They're both great contenders. You cannot go wrong picking either one of them. I'm talking, of course, about Acuna Jr. and Mookie Betts. Oh! And I wrote a little bit about this today in the windup. Whoa, who's your choice, AJ? Freddie. What do you got? Freddie. Really? Freddie. Freddie's a good choice, too, but I don't know that he's as dynamic or as impactful as either of the guys I just mentioned. Freddie and Matt Olson certainly are in this conversation, and they are worthy of consideration. But at the same time, Mookie Betts is having a crazy run here this last month or so, and Acuna Jr. all season long. And what Acuna Jr. does that separates him, in my opinion, and I'll get into Mookie in a minute, is the historic nature of his season. When he gets to this 30-60, 30 home runs, 60 stolen base plateau, and he's only one homer away, he'll be the first player in history ever to do that. He's on a pace with runs scored and stolen bases that only Ty Cobb has done in Major League history. And he's done it for the best team in the majors leading off. Mookie, of course, also a leadoff hitter, also dynamic. And the thing that Mookie has over Acuna is a lead, not an insignificant lead in wins above replacement, however you want to measure it. OPS, his is higher. And Mookie, of course, is, by the metrics, the better defender. And, of course, what he does also is play three different positions or has played three different positions this season, second base shortstop and his usual brilliant right field. So from that perspective... To me, it's those two guys. Go ahead, AJ. Fire away. <laughs> no, I just, I didn't know if you were going to go Freddie or Mookie. I listen. But Mookie's having a great year. The, I mean, Acuna probably is going to win it. I mean, yeah, I think you're right on those two. And I love Mookie, and I love Ronald, and I love Freddie, and Matt Olson's great. So, but Acuna's going to win unless he gets hurt. What's amazing is Matt Olson leads the National League in home runs and RBIs, even though he hasn't hit a home run in 56 plate appearances, and yet he is not a principal part of this conversation. Freddie, 50 doubles, that's a Los Angeles Dodgers franchise record. He's second in the league and on base to Acuna, and yet he is not prominent in this conversation. And keep in mind, first baseman, even though Goldschmidt won last year, have a little bit of an uphill battle because their position is not quite as important. To me, as I wrote today, in any other year, any of these guys would be a pretty clear front runner, and we have four of them. Ken, question for you, because I don't want to diminish Acuna or anyone when I ask this. Um, how much are you noticing stolen bases being up because of the rule changes? And Because I don't want to take away 30 and 60 is unheard of, like you're saying, in this league. And um, But is that some of that a product of the rule changes and the, the increased base stolen from uh, players around the league? 
Jason, that's a great point. And it's undeniable that you have to grade that on a little bit of a curve. At the same time, Acuna leads the majors. So he's the best at doing this. And that needs to be taken into consideration as well. So it's not as if he's simply taking advantage of the rules as it is everyone else. And that's why he's going to become the first player in history to make this incredible milestone. It's because he's done it at the highest level, higher than anyone else. So it's a good point. I appreciate the point. But at the same time, I still acknowledge what he's doing and admire it. It's impressive. Really impressive. Ken, we talked about this on the air on Saturday in our Twins-Rangers game. You're talking about NL MVP. I asked you the question, is it possible for someone to swipe in and steal Otani's AL MVP? Is it possible? I know you're going to say no, but I think you're wrong. Well, (laughs) AJ, I started to answer on Saturday, but then Ezekiel Duran made that dumb base running play to third base, and I uttered about two sentences. So at least now I can explain myself a little bit. Otani, over five months, is clearly the MVP. We know that. And your question was a really good one. Can Julio Rodriguez, who is having an incredible run with the Mariners, maybe get in there and steal it? And my answer was, before this play occurred, if Otani continues playing, and he's certainly playing right now, and it looks like he'll play a little bit more at least before deciding how to treat that torn UCL, if he continues playing, it's pretty obvious. Now, if he stops playing, let's say, next week, and Rodriguez goes crazy, continues to go crazy, and they get in. It's a conversation, but it seems to me that Otani would still rate the edge because of what he has done as a pitcher, as a hitter, as a base runner. Everything he does is brilliant. So I still see him being the guy, but now there is an opening at least to discuss this if he does not finish the season. You talked about in your one article about how Jeremy Reed, his old hitting coach, said it might affect Otani not pitching next year. And then you brought up other things about his rehab. Did he say anything else that would lead you to believe, like, Otani may not hit as well next year if he does get Tommy John surgery or, you know, he's not pitching? Well, it's interesting, Eric. This conversation began with Jeremy a couple of years ago, 21. And he said at the time that – Otani thrives as both a pitcher and a hitter. And I remember John Smoltz had said on our air in a broadcast, he thought that if Otani just focused solely on pitching, he could be another Jacob deGrom. And that's high praise at the time, obviously, even now. But Jeremy Reed's point was he's better when he's doing both because that way he doesn't get too into the weeds on either one. He doesn't get too obsessive about what he's doing in either particular skill because he has to do both. He has to keep moving before games to prepare himself in both ways. So I called Jeremy Reed back the other day to ask him, okay, we're looking at a situation now where he might need to be a hitter only for a period of time, maybe even for a lengthy period of time, maybe even for the rest of his career. And what Jeremy Reed said was interesting. He said, Otani has grown, grown as a player and is so much more mature now. Not that he was immature before, but he's become more experienced. I guess that's the better way to put it. And he didn't think it would be as big a problem. He thought the rehab from whatever he is going to undergo, whether it's surgery or a straight rehab, that would be the distraction Otani needs. Now, it's still a real question what's going to happen here, what decision he's going to make. And I point back to something the Athletics' Evan Drellick wrote 
I guess it was last week, in which he quoted doctors as saying, if Otani wants to pitch again at the highest level and he undergoes a second Tommy John, a revision, the best way to do that would be to stop hitting entirely, devote himself entirely to the rehabilitation next year, and then come out in 2025 and do both. Whether that happens, I have strong doubts about. Remember the last time Otani came back and hit pretty soon after the surgery, in the following May after having the surgery in October. So it's all a mystery right now. We don't know what he's going to decide. We don't know where this is headed. But the fact that we talk about this kind of thing with this player, it's just so unusual even to think about it. And again, it comes back to the fact that he is so good at both. And Ken, there was drama this weekend too. And fittingly, the Angels were at City Field. So you're going to get the added fun of the New York media where they felt like they needed to clarify what led up to that injury. What was your take on that situation where the Angels wanted to come out publicly and say, hold up, hold up. He didn't want imaging done. And Kratz yesterday saw on the show like, hey, maybe a player doesn't want to give all his medicals all the time. So I don't know if you thought they were maybe covering for anyone or also trying to say, like, we take care of our pitchers. He wouldn't let us test him. My initial reaction was maybe they were covering. But then I made a few phone calls and I asked some questions. And the answers I got were essentially that Otani at the time did not feel that an MRI was warranted. And his agent, Nezbolelo of CAA, did not feel an MRI was warranted. The Angels did offer him that possibility. And what Eric said, I learned, and I did not know this, is absolutely accurate. A player doesn't necessarily want an MRI in his file as he goes to become a free agent. It, they want a clean bill of health if possible. And when Perry Manazian came out and said that as the Angels GM, I also wondered, okay, why is he saying that? Is there a rift with the Otani camp? And the truth is they communicate on everything pretty much. He cleared with that camp, with Bolello and Otani presumably, what he was going to say. Not that he had to clear it, but he informed them what he was going to say. And they had no objection, evidently, because they didn't come out and say anything different. So here's a guy that did not feel that the MRI was necessary. It was a finger problem, that it was a cramping problem in his legs. And from everything we can tell right now, it does appear he blew out in that game. He's throwing 95 in the first inning. And I was told that you cannot throw 95 with a torn UCL. <laughs> so it seems that everything was on the up and up. What happened was Nez Bolello, I'm sorry, Perry Manazian was getting criticism because they hadn't given him an MRI, criticism from various people. And he felt his need to defend himself, and he did. I can, it's not so much as a question as I just want to follow up on what Eric said earlier, that to give people a little glimpse into the business side of uh, the MLB with players where the MRI that you don't want it on your record, a lot of players kind of fight that having too much information about them. So when the teams come to them and they want to wear these, these stress indicators or how much they're sweating or whether they've lost just a little bit of step so they can improve. If there's record of you showing that you're losing a little step, Players know teams will take that into arbitration. They will take that into contract negotiations. They will use that against them. So while it's useful information to have, a lot of players kind of fight back where they don't want to see it or to have that on them because more times than not, it's going to be used against them than for them. No, I'm glad both of you guys made that point because you've been there. And again, as someone who's covered this league for, I don't know, 35 plus years, I did not know this. I did not know that players might resist an MRI if they felt it was borderline because 
as a potential free agent, they would want their record clean. And that's important to know. And all the fans and all the people in the media, those people who are screaming about this, well, maybe now, next time, they won't scream as loud knowing what they know. And again, there was not an indication of an elbow problem before this all went down. There were other things going on with him. He was fatigued. Well, of course he's going to be fatigued. He's doing something no one else has ever done. He started doing it in March with the WBC, and I'm not blaming the WBC either, but there were all these things that occurred, and at the time, there was not an arm issue. So when the arm issue arose, okay, of course it's natural to ask the question, what did you guys know and when did you know it? But it seems like from everything we know, this was on the up and up. Okay. Also enjoyed reading about your work with the uh, covering the twins in the past week. So, so two interesting portions. I'll start with the most interesting to me was your conversation with Max Kepler about what changed for him in the second half of the season and that it was more of this team related answer. So yes, positive, And I know you'll touch on this news on what's changed with the twins, but do you also look back at the first half? Like what was going on? Was there a lot of selfish baseball being played? I didn't take it that way when I talked to Kepler, and he did have some really interesting things to say. Frankly, things I've never heard from a player before. Generally, when you ask a player, hey, what turned it around? He'll point to a mechanical adjustment, maybe a mental reset, all kinds of individual things that might change, help with a coach or work with a coach, all kinds of things. In his case, he said, I'm not really going to take individual credit here. It was the team. It was the team coming together in the second half, supporting each other, communicating better than they had in the first half. And I, as a player, thrive off of that. I like when I can help guys. I like when guys can help me. I feel that vibe and it elevates me. Now, it wasn't that he was critical of the way the team was in the first half. It's just that he felt they had reached a new place as a team, chemistry-wise, in the second half. Maybe they just determined as one organically, we're going to pull together here. We're going to do it in a little bit better way than we did before. And again, it was just interesting to me that he did not really take individual credit. He credited the team with his own individual turnaround. It was kind of refreshing to hear, different to hear for sure. And I would have gotten this on the air on Saturday, but, you know, AJ talks a lot. Okay. <laughs> because I had already said I'm going to follow this. Um, you know, you did all your work on the Twins last week. You're too good to do the Twins and Rangers again with me this week. So, I mean, it's weird. How, you know, I talk to you need space to speak. I let no, him. No, he actually, wants to the do game three was, innings. I let him go. He can talk I'm all kidding. the Don't backpedal, Ken. And in all seriousness, that game. This happens sometimes in my job. Every time I tried was planning to open my mouth, something would happen. A guy hits. Triple whatever was going on, and it, it was just odds were working against me. Or the, or the yes, Rangers had bad thing, thing. The Rangers had bad base running. I mean, there was a uh, whole slew of once. things that happened in that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah there were mostly all negative for the Rangers. I was like, gosh. True. <laughs> but here, now it, about the it, Twins, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm just gonna say about the Twins. I don't know if AJ agrees with me after watching them this weekend. He's seen them probably a little bit more than I have this year. It seems to me they're set up better than they have been in the past to maybe win a post-season series and that streak of 18 consecutive playoff losses. Going back to AJ's days with the team, they have a top three in their rotation of Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, and Pablo Lopez. That is quite good. 
They have the ability in the postseason to put Kenta Maeda in the bullpen, possibility of Chris Pata coming back, Alcala coming back. And their offense right now is one of the top offenses, has been in the second half in the major leagues. They have a lot of interchangeable parts. They have guys who have stepped up like Kepler, who were not necessarily performing that way in the first half and who have basically helped the team perform at this level without Correa and Buxton being normal Correa and Buxton. So the young kids, Walner and Eduardo Julian, a number of others, some bench players as well. AJ mentioned this on the broadcast. I just kind of like what I see. And I don't know, maybe they can't beat the Astros or the Rangers or the Rays, whoever they're going to face. But it seems to me they have a better shot. Listen, I agree with you. I was going to bring that up to you. Uh, I, I think the Twins, and we talked about this on the broadcast from Saturday, and it'll come up this Saturday. Not only do the Twins have a better team than they've had in the past, they don't have to play the Yankees, who just annihilate them in the postseason every year, right? But there's top three pitching. You throw Gray, you throw Pablo Lopez out there, right? I mean, those are two top flight, really good starters made in the bowl. You, you mentioned it all, right? The thing for me is, the American League is doesn't seem as strong. Now, people can argue and say whatever, but in the first round, they're likely looking at not Baltimore, okay, probably, and then not the, not West the winner, AL West winner. Not right. the AL West winner, right, whoever that is. So you're going to get Astros, Rangers, whoever the other wild card is, right? It's going to be, okay, it's going to be maybe the Blue Jays. I like their chances against all those teams, not only to win a game, but to win a series because of their big three at the top. And because I think, like you said, if, if Rocco Baldelli was talking about Patton coming back or, you know, uh, what's his name, Paddock coming back. Paddock, yep. And, yeah, uh, they're excited about him. You no, know, they are. And he said he looks amazing. He, he was talking about it to us on Saturday. I, I mean, I love their chances because they're swinging the bat and they're playing a different game. Yes, they have to hit home runs, but they're playing a different game than Twins teams in the past. And it's fun to – I mean, it was fun to watch on Saturday. I'll get to see them again this Saturday. But it's a fun game to watch. Pitch. It's kind of like the old-school twins. Pitching, defense, some timely hitting, and occasional home runs. And, and I think Rocco has them trending in the right direction. The one team that I believe we're all underestimating here is Houston. Their offense in the second half has been the best in the majors, I believe, statistically. You saw it last night, Altuve with the cycle, Jordan Alvarez, four hits. Their bullpen worries me. Their rotation worries me, frankly. It's Verlander. It's an inconsistent Framer Valdez. It's a Christian Javier who is not the same. And yet, we know this, guys. They've done this for a long time now. And they have that ability, that know-how, whatever you want to call it. And while their pitching is not quite the same, they are still a team we cannot forget about and dismiss easily for sure. So, Ken, one more on the Twins, because the other layer of what you wrote about in your notes, I had a follow-up question for you on Correa. It was um, great insight on how he de dealt with plantar fasciitis. And he said, and he's, he's always candid, especially lately, he came back earlier than he would have if he had his free agent season going on right now. So what was your take on the honesty of those comments, both to say, hey, if I was in a different spot, it's, it's a little bit more about me and making sure my numbers are good. At the same time, he's like, my presence is needed here. But I always wonder about that threshold with players, like your presence and coming back too soon versus your production. If you're not playing well, you're not helpful for the team either. There's always a balance, Scott. And I covered Cal Ripken Jr. for a long time. And when he wasn't hitting and the streak was going on, he would always say, 
I can contribute to my team in other ways. And his managers would always say they wanted him out at shortstop because he was basically going to play a brilliant shortstop. Not a rangy shortstop necessarily, but he'd get to everything he could and make every play. With Correa, it's something of a similar mindset, at least the way he's approaching it right now. He suffered the injury in late May, the plantar fasciitis. It's lingered the entire season. He said it's affecting every aspect of his game, not just offense, which is down. I said, defense? He goes, look at my sprint speed. It's the worst of my career. And he was right. It's the worst of his career. His defensive metrics are down a little bit too. He just feels that him being out there, and he has not gone on the injured list the whole time. And by the way, this is the other foot. This is not the foot that was the issue in the offseason when he was a free agent. He just feels that being out there, he can contribute defensively. He can do some things offensively. And right now he is finally starting to come out of it a little bit. On base streak, I don't know if it's still active, but it was 18 straight at one point, maybe 19 straight now. So he feels that that was important, that he needed to be there for his team. And yes, if he was a free agent and the numbers were going to be held against him, right, then he might have made some different decisions. Now, it's always interesting. And we had, AJ, you know this, Joe Ryan pitch in this game on Saturday. He had fought through an injury earlier and to the team's detriment. He didn't tell them soon enough, hey, I've got a problem here. And he got rocked in a period of seven starts. There's a balance. There is a veteran knowledge that you have over the years. You gain and collect when to go, when not to go. But Correa has just felt that he has to play. And you know they're going to use that against Joe Ryan when he gets arbitration at some point. <laughs> well, the For thing real. Is, no, but what I'm saying is Joe Ryan is he tried to pitch through it, and he had never done that before. And even Rocco talked about it when we talked to him. He said he didn't really – he never complained about it. Like it wasn't like a thing where – he just said, oh, there's a little tightness, but I can pitch through it. And it affected everything. It affected his motion, affected the, his fastball, because like he really throws a lot of fastballs, and it wasn't the same because he couldn't get the extension he needed and everything. And so, well, they hold it against him only because his numbers went down. They're not going to say, well, he pitched through an injury. They're just going to say, well, his numbers no, I'm went saying down. an arb. That's what they do. I mean, oh, Corbin well, Burns last year, oh, you had, you had one little stretch where you weren't great you know, for seven starts. That's why we didn't make the playoffs. I mean – Arb is, well, is the Twins cool. are going to make the playoffs. Yes, exactly. All right, Ken, good stuff. Great to catch up with you again, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Ken. And uh, Fair Territory is out there for the world to consume <clears throat> every single Monday, except for next week, if you listen to this episode. Programming note, next week is Labor Day, so it will drop on Tuesday. But the Monday episode from this week is out there right now, wherever you get your pods, and also it is up there on YouTube. All right. Well, I, I think, Kratzy, you, you've got to be the guy because it's about to rain like crazy here. Mm-hmm. So there it is. Shady Always race, Always sunny baby. in Philadelphia, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Beautifully stated. Your Shady Rays, as shown by Eric Kratz. And also, together with their customers, they are providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. I wanted to point out their Shady Rays impact from building play sets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime. They're making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. You can hear about this on Fair Territory as well, doing a great job making an impact into the community and also, of course... If you get a pair and you feel like you don't look as swaggy as Kratz does right now, and no, he's not frozen. He's just 
got his game face on. He's trying to compete with Kip in the poker tourneys. Uh, if you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. No risk when you shop. They've always got your back. Exclusively for Foul Territory watchers or listeners, Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. All right, let's get to some uh, game previewing, shall we? So a little last-minute game time action. Um, thanks to our friends at Game Time, we'll preview some of the games today. I also would like to just mention this. I feel like this is the time to do it because uh, two things, actually, and we'll talk more about the Game Time app in a sec. You and me have to hit a raise game. You promise. We're running out of time. Are we going to figure it out? Promise is a promise. You go? You're never here. That's Thank true. God. Uh, <laughs> dude, I, I came down here just to hang out with you during the hurricane, and you're saying I'm never here? I'm, I'm putting you guys it will have game night. At the top of my to-do list, we are hitting game time and going to a game in the next few weeks, a raise game before the playoffs, because then you've got a little playoff broadcast action. And also, my parents were at the Royals game yesterday, brave to go to the Royals-Pirates game in late August, um, which actually was a gem from, uh, damn, I'm forgetting his name, Pirates, Oviedo. 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 By the way, Um, before, I know. They saw everybody on the field, though. They were all, and they were wearing foul territory, and they were like, Oh shit! And some of the guys were like, "Yo, can I come on?" Who they was were wearing foul territory stuff. My parents. Oh, your parents. So they they talked to. They were talking to Piccolo, Derek Shelton, uh, Bobby Witt, uh, Taylor Hearn. Told them like, "Can you please send me a message? I want to come on soon." So it was just like a, a whole list of people passing by. Like, oh, where'd you get that? So I'm just gonna say this, and this is I don't mean this. This is kind of come across. Have you guys seen Zach Greinke's one in thirteen this year? Wow, with a five. Really? Point three ERA, like I, I saw that last night. He was one in twelve, and I was like, "What? This can't be right." And then I looked today. He lost last night again. He's one in thirteen with a five. I'm like, "Damn, Zach Greinke is way better than that." What is going on in Kansas City? But oh, I, I didn't. I mean, know. Jordan Lyles is at a six and a half this yeah, year. But he's got like four wins. I remember he was zero and eleven at one point. He's three and fifteen. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I'm not going to get into the win. I know, combat. but I, it's just amazing when you see a guy that has is a potential Hall of Famer like Zach Greinke with all the pride he has, and you look up and he's one and thirteen. You just don't. Ex- Jordan Lyles, I mean, is not Zach Greinke. Yeah, but Zach Greinke is also at the twilight of I his career. I understand that, but you, you would think he's not one and thirteen. But one and thirteen has a lot to do with your ball club too. No. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying one and thirteen. Not a lot of dubs on the board this year for the Royals. Kratz, no secrets. Kratz. One and thirteen for Zach Greinke. Kip, you face Zach Greinke. Is that surprising to look up and say he's one and thirteen? Yeah. Short answer, yes. Surprised, yes. And I understand what Scott's saying, but it's one and thirteen. Like Zach Greinke is trying to figure out how to win the games. You saw Adam Wainwright's game the other night, last night, against the Padres. There's a whole team pushing for that man to get two more wins, and they might have four more chances. He did everything he could last night to try to get that win, and he left with a one nothing lead. I mean, a one nothing. He had given up one run. Yeah. Which is why it's a bullshit stat. No, but it, okay. I mean, listen, I'm rooting for Adam Wainwright to get two more wins too, but, I mean, he goes out and throws six innings, one run. 
And that's it gets a loss. That's like, the way like, the yeah. cookie crumbles. I know, I'm sorry. but still, still, that's just the way the stat you're, works. You're just, you're just not a you're a hater. There's stat that's relying hater. on other factors. Hater. That's all. It's just what it is. Not a hater. I want Wainwright <laughs> to get all the accomplishments. This is the swan song for him, and the games they're playing don't matter. So, go rack it up. All right. So, where are we going tonight, Kip? You got a game that you're circling? Uh, I think the Cubs Brewers. I kind of want to see Burns versus Steele. I think that's a good pitching matchup that I'd love to watch. So I'm I'm staying home here. Kratz? Dang it. You took my take yours. I take yours. That's okay. I want to go another say, I want to go another wild card. <laughs> yeah. I want to go we can we can go together. We can free freeze in Wrigley cuz it's going to be cold there tonight too with the wind blowing out. I mean blowing gonna go in. Going to go to Florida to get a rain out so I could go to dinner. That that would be nice. You go down, <laughs> but you can't because it's in Miami, so you got oh. the roof. Although I don't know what the situation. I mean, they're not getting the no, not getting the bad much. stuff no. there anyway. But that that game is actually really good. I was looking at that one, thinking about if I wanted to bet on that one as my lock. Savali, who's pitched well, Alcantara, who's been very up and down. Um, I, that's actually a really good matchup. Yeah, oh, I agree. Where I'm, are you going going? To, I'm going to San Francisco. If you wanted me to finish my answer, sure. Yeah. San Francisco. <laughs> I'm gonna go see two teams that want to make the want to make the playoffs. I think one is going in one direction, and I think the other one is one two straight. So I want to see it. Yeah. Two straight. Yeah, that's a great For, series. And the the two are the Wrigley, the Brewers, and the Cubs, and the Reds and the Giants are the two that are yeah that just stand out when you look at this list. You're like, bam, those are the the two most meaningful playoff series. I mean, I guess you could throw the Astros and the and the Red Sox in there, but I mean, it's Bayo Day. But yeah, those two are the games. Other than that, I mean, it's a pretty average slate. Yeah, pitch, and also this time of year, not just pitching matchup wise. Yeah, today there's a lot of guys that are just eh. Um, you have less teams that are involved, so you start to get to some of those games where you're like, nope, don't care, don't care. We're not going to show you their scores on the bottom of the screen or anything. Doesn't matter. So focus on the good stuff. <laughs> That's what we're here for. That's what this segment's for. Okay, so check out the Game Time app. And if you're in need of last-minute ticks, it should not be stressful. This app is perfectly made for you, the consumer, to be able to get what you want very quickly and very efficiently and very cost-friendly. Flash deals for last-minute tickets. Images of seat views. Lowest price guarantee. Event cancellation protection, which is done so much better than their competition. And that game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. So even if you find tickets in the same section and the same row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference, a.k.a. that ain't happening. They've got the lowest prices out there for you. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can snag the tickets without the stress with game time and get a little help on your way if you're a first-time user on the app. You create an account, download the game time app, and then use the code FTLIVE. For 20 bucks off your first purchase, terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code FTLive for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's slap hands, baby. Hold on, breaking news. I just got a text that apparently the White Sox are going to hire Chris Getz soon. Really? As? I'm assuming general manager. You just got a text that it's happening? It's soon, I was told. Why don't you tweet it? Looks like Chris gets soon. Why don't you tweet it? I just announced it. Tweet it too. 
can't confirm. Right. I'm not. I got any more than one source. <laughs> okay. Well, we're gonna post this clip then, right now. <laughs> it's second source. We're gonna post this to okay. Twitter. I'm it's the same thing. I was, I was told that. I mean, I just got a text. That's my thing with with reporting. I think reporters can be different from other people because you're allowed to say that. It's a freaking free speech of well, hey, listen, I got a text. Bob Nightingale reported it with the White Sox. It usually happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which confirms so, my conspiracy. Congratulations theory. to Chris Getz. And it's going to be a fun ride for him and the White Sox. I mean, I, well, we had Ozzy on her at Legends Territory. And that he, will he be will, released. That will be up. interesting. We'll hear from Ozzy Bean. Um, Legends Territory is coming out, I believe, tomorrow. So look forward to that. Kratzatz, what do you got? This would have been, it's a longer discussion. Technically, I never played in a game for the Padres, but I was in spring training with them. Found this in the bottom of my bag. But they couldn't release me, or they couldn't, they couldn't send me down. I took my opt-out, so they either had to trade me or release me. So technically, they had to put me on a 40-man roster to trade me to the Astros. So was I a Padre as a big leaguer, yes or no? No. Did you appear in a game? No, I, I mean – Immaculate grid, I know, no, but was I technically a Padre? No. Was I technically a Red Sox? I dressed out for two and a half days. Were you on the active roster? Yep. Then yes. Yeah. But they had you on the lineup card that they submit. Yeah. Then yeah, you were a Red Sox, but I'm not on Immaculate grid. You have to appear in one game. That is one of the rules. They change the rules on Immaculate grid daily, so. (laughs) They're going to come up with Immaculate grid minor leagues soon. Kratz, you can organize it. Just get your supercomputers together. Also, um, I'm, I think I mentioned at the top of the show we were in Philly. Did I mention Trey Turner hit two homers? I don't even remember. We did not because we were talking about Hurricane. Okay. FT Muscles, Trey for two, came on the show. So, good job. Stay hot. Thanks, everyone. We will see you on Wednesday for our special Hurricane Coverage edition of FT Live. That could get dicey here tomorrow. <laughs> Kratz, you might have to carry it tomorrow because Scott's going to be under the desk. We have Carrie Carpenter and Jose Trevino joining us on Wednesday. Um, And Todd is back. And no, that's your bugaboo. I don't like gators. You don't like hurricanes. I like hurricanes. I like hurricanes. I like hurricanes. You're obsessed with hurricanes. I'm not scared of them. I will stand outside show. I want to see AJ (laughs) outside like, I'm here reporting from (laughs) Bay Hill. My gated community where nothing happens. And it's really <laughs> terrible. And I'll send you some video. Tomorrow on the show, I'll have some video tonight in the backyard. Perfect. Perfect. I want to see Scotty in the background doing bicep curls. I will kill this storm. <laughs> Time to swing for the fences on BetMGM, a new MLB free-to-play game for sweet prizes. Here's how to make it happen. Log into the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android. Play the BetMGM MLB free-to-play game until September 7th, 2023. Be a batter and pick an area of the strike zone. Depending on the area of the zone you pick, you will get a single, double, triple home run or pop-out and receive the prize associated with that type of hit. You can play once per day. Prizing must be used on MLB and expires in 24 hours. Always bet responsibly. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.